Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Abner and Dan Wolfman stock here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by BetOnline, AG1, Aura, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein. <laughs> you know, I said on Sunday that I didn't really have much to say uh, after, after what took place after uh, the Chargers-Titans game. Um, didn't have to because the play and the coaching basically spoke for itself. And now two days removed after that game, you can call it pandemonium. You could call it chaos. You could call it, you know, your pet's heads are falling off. It just seems like everything from the chargers narrative right now is just looked at through the darkest of holes possible. (laughs) The hottest of magnifying glasses, if you will. Yes, that that's probably a better phrase to use than what I just said. <laughs> so, <laughs> much better phrase to use than what I just said. But uh, apologies, we weren't able to get to the recap show yesterday. Dan and I, from a scheduling aspect, um, had a busy day yesterday. And but at least Dan got a chance to go on space yesterday. Uh, from what he told me, was very productive. A lot of people obviously were in there wanting to let their voices be heard and rightfully so given the 0-2 start that the Chargers are currently on. But Dan and I are unfortunately going to recap what took place in the Chargers and Titans game, give our own personal perspectives on what's going on with this team. And as usual, weekly therapy as it is after a Chargers loss, try to push forward. So Dan Wolkenstein, given that enlightening intro full of sunshine and rainbows how are you today sir oh man uh personally i'm good yesterday was uh mentioned we were busy uh it was a tough day welcome sign household but we got through it uh today's a new day um i still got my flannel and football candle burning i mean we're getting low here on wax uh and on you know emotions after just these two gut-wrenching, grueling, sickening losses by this Los Angeles Chargers team. I would my opinion, emotions are high. Patience is low. There we go. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. Um, but no, otherwise I'm good. I, I'm, I, I tend to look for how to dig out of things. And I tend to look for solutions that said, it's hard not to focus on the problems at hand, which we're going to get to. But first, Jake, how are you? <laughs> cool. I, like I said, I, you know, there's the old phrase that we use in the show. You don't want to do the pod before the pod. I feel like if I started talking about how I felt right now, we'd be here for a half hour okay. and we'd never actually get into it. So I'll save that. All right, so before we talk about how we're feeling, we'll talk about kind of the recap takeaways, what the actual issues are that we feel we see, and how this Chargers team can move forward. Let's hear a word or two about our friends and sponsor over at Aura. Have you ever Googled yourself and were shocked to see your personal information exposed on one of those public listing sites? (gasps) Data brokers are making a fortune selling your information to robocallers, spammers, and others who want to learn more about you, like where you live. We've been trying to reach you concerning your car's extended warranty. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Aura. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf, and brokers everywhere are legally required to remove your info if you ask them to, but they make it 
it's super hard to do. So let Aura handle that for you. You could try Aura for up to two weeks using this link that we're going to put up here on the screen. Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from online threats that you cannot see. So make sure to check out Aura.com backslash Charters Unleashed to get a 14-day free trial and see if your personal information has been leaked online. Well, Jake, we said going into week two that the formula for beating the Titans, Derrick Henry, twofold. (laughs) Number one, try to contain Derrick Henry. Number two, do not let things get behind you. One of those was largely done. The other, unfortunately and mind-numbingly, was not. And folks want to praise how good Ryan Tannehill looked, which if you just go by stats, he looked fine. Two plays, almost 130 yards, up over the top of one Mike Davis and one Asante Samuel Jr. on Max Protect, two wide receiver sets, directly lead to 14 points. That's two plays. 130, I think it's technically 129 yards, Jake. And that is roughly, I would say, I think it's like three-fifths of Ryan Tannehill's total passing yards. <laughs> We're on two plays. So, in short, the defense did not do what they needed to do to steal this victory. And then on offense, while statistically some things looked good, Overall, looking at this game, data backs it up. Overall, offense, defense played an average game. Both sides looked good at times. Both sides looked inept at times. Unfortunately, they were not happening at the same times. Consistency, cohesion, lack of urgency, lack of finish, all of that on display. We'll get into more specifics, but Jake, just the two, the headline of what this team needs to do and how the hell they let Receivers not named Hopkins get behind them blows my mind. And when I saw that happening live, I knew it was it. I knew it was it. And then compile that with the fact that the Chargers offense could not score a touchdown for essentially the entire fourth quarter. I want to say it was four straight drives. They come up with three points and also an overtime. What say you? <laughs> the best part about this was, Dan, I was actually watching this game with a good buddy of mine who is a Tennessee fan and who, like me, has a very pessimistic mind as it relates to his team. So <laughs> it was very it was very respectful and uh, was a lot of, you know, negative talking about our, <laughs> our own teams as far as our f- faith and what the hell was going to happen and what the, the outcome was going to be. My favorite quote from him was on the second long pass from Ryan Tannehill that was completed to a one Chris Moore over Mike Davis. My buddy turns to me and he said, that was Chris Moore. That was one of the slowest wide receivers that we have. I just, I just sat back and I couldn't say a damn thing. Going up I against did, Mike Davis, who is one of the faster players on this team. I didn't know what to say. I really did not know what to say. Dan, it was such a dichotomy between who you faced in week one, Tua and arguably the fastest receiving core in the National Football League between Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. And we all watched 
that embarrassing defensive performance. But still, you kind of have to say, okay, it, they're probably going to be able to do that to anybody. So there was a little bit of a silver lining there. And then you go from one of the most explosive offenses in the league to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, who it's difficult for them to go above 15 to 17 points for them on a weekly basis. And you allowed Ryan Tannehill, who had not completed two passes over 40 yards in 10 years. How does that sound? Oh, it had been 10 yards and Ryan Tannehill had a game where he completed, completed two passes of over 40 yards. That's despicable enough in itself. Chargers ending up on the wrong side of history statistically. Again, Dan, we've all heard this stat. The Chargers are the first team in NFL history oh. to, to score more than 50 points, no turnovers, and start the season 0-2. The math is just absolutely baffling with this. And then, obviously, the long game of compounding everything. There has only been 18 teams since the year 2000 in this, in, in this particular you know, era. Only 18 teams since 2000 that have started the season 0-2 that have ended up making the playoffs. Since they expanded the leagues uh, to the seven-game playoff format, only one has done that. Be so you're saying there's a chance. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> and if there is a chance, there ain't a good one. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. All I'm saying is, how many times have we had to say that type of a sentence? as far as to say the Chargers are the first team since blank has happened. And it usually and it, ends up on the wrong side of that. It, you usually end up on the wrong side of that. It is not the first time that I have said that on this show, the Chargers end up on the wrong side of history. And to start a season off out like this, Dan, where you have basically a healthy defense. I don't really care the fact that Eric Kendricks was out. He was not needed to win this game. Austin Eckler being out, he was not needed to win this game. Joey Bosa, even on limited snaps coming off of his injury, was still a beast. And we'll get into that in a little bit later. You had so many different opportunities to win this game. And I thought that the way that the defense started was definitely a brighter side from the standpoint of getting pressure. Five sacks. Five sacks on the day for the Chargers, which was great. Kenneth Murray, outside of one personal foul, looked pretty damn good out there in a game that he really needed to step up. Run defense in total looked pretty good. But Dan, collectively, when that game went to 11 nothing, when we see Trey Pipkins <laughs> in the end zone after scoring a two-point conversion, in my opinion, uh, that one was better than the Mike Williams two-point conversion in, in, uh, against great. the Chiefs years ago. This, that was way better. But right at that moment, again, I bring up my Tennessee fan in tow. Right after that happened, he said, wow, the Chargers might blow the Titans out. And I kind of just like did the slow turn head and just look over to him. And I just say, come on, do you, you realize who you're talking about, right? Like, come on out. And sure enough, there came the 71 Burks air bomb two plays after that. It's an 11-7 ball game. And it's, and it's unfortunate, Jake, because I'll stand on this. Largely, the Chargers defense played a pretty darn good game for the large majority of that game. And it's unfortunate, and it's still a reality, that boneheaded plays by 
playmakers directly result in huge, huge results negatively. And it's it's tough. And I think Chargers fans and even you and me covering the team, you know, you try to look for areas of blame. And you try to look for like, okay, how or why did that happen? Or how is this happening? And you look at, you know, obviously individual game performances. Then you kind of extrapolate that out. It's like, all right, the season. And you extrapolate that out to, okay, so since Brandon Staley's tenure, try to gain some like perspective on like, what is going on? And you mentioned the dichotomy, like these first two games of the Chargers played this year. Like, I can't think of a more polarizing style of play. And yet the Chargers lose for polarizing reasons on both sides. And it's just unfortunate. And look, we've talked about this, which I think we'll get into this now, maybe just to kind of nip this. It's a results-oriented business, especially going into year three for Brandon Staley. I've put out a whole bunch of stats today, last couple of days, on kind of where this team resides statistically in the NFL. But in short, offense, I believe, is ranked seventh. Special teams looks to be pretty good. Special teams is at ninth. The defense is 31st, and overall, this team ranks 22nd. Again, these are these are grades from PFF overall. And if we just look at the defensive side alone, which I am not saying that there is not more blame to go around on the offensive side, which we'll get to. But through two seat, but through two games, defensive average depth of target dead last. Passing yards per game, dead last. Points per game allowed, 30th. Quarterback pressure percentage, 29th. Completion percentage, 26th. Yards after catch allowed, 24th. Third down conversion percentage allowed, 24th. Rushing yards per game, better. (laughs) They're actually better than that this year, 15th. They blitz a ton, fifth highest blitz percentage. But 29th in QB pressure. Now, some of that is the two effect, which we saw week one where you're just getting it out incredibly fast. I do expect these numbers to kind of shift because I believe that that Minnesota, excuse me, Minnesota, that Miami game I felt was such an outlier. And as weeks continue, I think that we'll continue to see that trend. But regardless, results 0-2 with those numbers on defense with an offensive Kellen Moore, Justin Herbert, all those weapons, Derwin, all those guys on defense, unacceptable. It has been flat out unacceptable. I think Brandon Staley knows that. Tom Telesco knows that. Players know that. And if they don't change, things are going to change. People are going to get fired. It's as simple as that. Like, I people weirdly have come at me with flames and porch forks (laughs) because I have put some blame on Justin Herbert and acting as if Brandon Staley is like absolved from any blame, at least from my opinion. And that's not true. I have criticized Brandon Staley many times. Deservedly so this year. 
0-2 is not okay. The defensive performance through two games is not okay. Period. Put it on a loop. <sighs> Dan, there is... This may lead into my rhetoric that I was going to get into for this, because obviously this is bigger than just the results of the Titans game. Because you mentioned this, as far as right now and all the things that are interconnected with the expectations for this team for this season, you know, no, no team is obviously absolvent of having a bad week or starting off slow. The Chargers have started off slow plenty of times. They had that period years ago where it was just like, oh, yeah, the first four games of the season are just you know, very, very bad for Chargers consistently. They finally got themselves out of that little mess for a period of time. You know, look at the Bengals, for crying out loud. The second straight year that they have started 0-2. No team is absolvent of that. I think the point is, is that the inconsistency that has been revolved around this franchise for years. I'm not just talking about with the Brandon Staley era. I'm talking about with the Anthony Lynn era. I'm talking about with the Mike McCoy era. I'm even talking about at some certain points the North Turner era. The inconsistency and lack of results given the talent on your roster is just, it's hard to fathom. It really is. And it, it is the same issues that seem to plague in one way or another. And in a bigger sense of this, when you hear people not putting respect on the Chargers name, the mainstream media taking their shots, mainstream media not talking about the Chargers doing anything, there's an unfortunate reason for that. And the reason is, is because the Chargers, unfortunately, have a narrative that they have created by their lack of results. There's a reason that the phrase Chargers going to Charger come into play. For whatever reason that is, that is why that phrase has been created. There is a narrative that has been created why people will not select them to win certain games because they expect them to do something, whether it's by play, by coach, by whatever it is, that they will do something to screw it up. The narrative of this team heading into this year and the expectations was that something was going to be different. You bring in Kellen Moore to evolve Justin Herbert to take this next step. You had just signed him to a huge deal. The defense with certain guys returning, guys healthy at this point in the year, you expected them, especially after the game in Jacksonville, to be different and hit the ground running. Now that this team has started off 0-2, and given where their defense currently ranks, that's something that has been familiar with this team for years. Dan, we've all seen the side-by-stat, side-by-sit, excuse me, side-by-side stat little picture where you have Justin Herbert, who has scored more points than any quarterback in the last three years, but yet his defense has given up more points than any other team in the last three years. And it was like a difference of 20, which is wild. And to start this season off this way, not only having defensive inefficiencies, but also on the offensive side of the ball. It's extremely tough when a guy like when I excuse me, when a coach like Brandon State was already entering this year on the hot seat, the expectations for this team and what you were going to do in a loaded AFC conference. 
I can't stress enough, Dan, about the narrative that has been created. The narrative and fueled. The narrative needs to change. Now, however you want to project that for what it is, whether it's by coaching certain players, ownership, results, as what Dan said is probably the biggest one, some of that or all of that needs to change. The narrative around the Chargers needs to change, and only the Chargers can actually change this. So when I hear Brandon Staley getting upset about somebody bringing up the Jacksonville game, I understand that. Nobody wants to talk about Jacksonville anymore. It's no longer 2022. We get that. But losing two games to start the season only fuels that narrative and allows it to continue. The Chargers have yet, essentially in their last four games, including the Jacksonville playoff games, they are own four. And they have given up a ton of points in all four of those games to get there. They've also scored a bunch of points too. But <laughs> the fact of that Jacksonville debacle, I think in a lot of ways, in certain points through these two games, you can look back and say, it's the same things happening again. And until you can change the narrative with results, i.e. winning, that will then quiet down the fire of those type of conversations or conversations of the past or when, lack of results in the past. And I have to ask, I think it's good for us to kind of get specific here. When you say like the same things are happening that happened in Jacksonville this season, like what specifically? Like in my mind, I think of like the lack of complimentary football at the same time. I think of lack of consistency. Correct. I think of unable to finish in pressure situations. I think of boneheaded plays by players. I think of unable for like, I think of Justin Herbert for as good as that, as incredible as he is unable to rise to the occasion at the end of the game when it matters. I think of middle eight times that aren't doing quite well. So like those are specifics. Like are there any other specifics for you, Jake, that you kind of thread from Jacksonville to this season so far? No, that was specifically what I was alluding to, Dan. And it's more of here. Here's the issue that I have with this. And this was a phrase that I uttered at certain points last year to say, okay, if you want to accept the Owen two loss, you know, by tomorrow is usually the day where you try to push through it, get ready for the next week, next game, whatever it is you want to call it. If the Chargers are somehow able to defeat the Minnesota Vikings and get a victory in the win column to start this season, my question is, that's not really going to change no. anything outside of a one being in their record. Because we've been here before. We've seen how this team has performed when they dig themselves in a hole. Sometimes they're able to do it. Sometimes they are not. But I think it's the confidence level. It's the aspect of what Chargers team is going to show up on a week-to-week -week basis. How confident are you that if they were to start this run, that they could do it? You're going against history here. 18 teams since 2000 have started off the season 0-2 and made it to the playoffs. Only one since the expanded playoff playoff to seven. Only one team has done that. And this, so, is, and, and this is the thing. And fair or unfair, this is the reality. The Chargers 
this, and I'll be honest, the Chargers can go 15 and two, lose in the playoffs, and nothing will have changed. The narrative will not have changed. It will be Chargers are going to Charger. You know, just wait for the shoe to drop. Now, 15 and two is a little extreme, but like they can go on a run, right? Let's say they like the, they lose the AFC West by a game, losing the divisional round or losing the wild card round. Doesn't change anything. So, fair or unfair, this will haunt them until they can win, first get to the playoffs, and then win a playoff game. Period. End of story. One word, Jake. Because you, me, pundits, critics, whatever, talk about how talented this Chargers team is. And I started kind of thinking about this when I saw guys like Sebastian Joseph Day making some mistakes. Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., Derwin James, Joey Bosa in the past, making these mistakes, these talented, talented players. And people talk about how much money's on that defense. Well, the talent will only go so far. And I may argue I would rather have less talent and more discipline every day. Just talk to the <laughs> talk to the Patriots. Those teams, when they were successful, again, outside of Tom Brady. Other teams had more talent than them most of the time. But that team was more disciplined and was better coached every, almost every time. And I found a quote, and I'm not usually got to quote stuff. Um, no idea who this is from. Luke Campbell is his name. No idea. Talent is nothing without dedication and discipline. And dedication and discipline is a talent in itself. Dedication and discipline is what this Chargers team does not have together. They may be dedicated. Sure. They do not have discipline. They do not have the ability to stay calm in pressure situations and execute. They just don't. And Brandon Stanley can say this team knows how to finish. And there's a bunch of finishers in the locker room. And that might be true. As a team, they haven't, at least so far this year. And I can point to the offense just as much as the defense. People don't want to hear it, but it's true. So, like, I say this rhetorically, but, and this is kind of joking, but it's kind of, like, my point is, with the defense looking this bad, and I know it's only two games in, and things could totally turn around, and they can go on a run, all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, like, right now. If your defense is playing this bad with this much money dedicated to it, why do you need the money? Why do you need the talent? Like, I don't believe that, but that's like the question in the back of my head. You've got this much talent and they are this bad. Make it make sense. And you could say they went up against a juggernaut of an offense week one, and then they just had some unfortunate mistakes in week two. And like, you, know, you can give excuses. I'm so tired of the Chargers being on the wrong end of those excuses every time. Every week, one team wins, one team loses. And you got to be the team that wins. And through two weeks, they haven't. I know it's early. Tempers are flaring. 
Emotions are high. They can still come out of this. Like, the season is not over. Luckily for them, the whole AFC West hasn't looked great. They're only a game behind. So, there's a whole lot of football ahead of them. And they can right the ship, no doubt. But the odds aren't in their favor. And Brandon Staley, as the head coach, these coordinators and the leaders on the leadership council, whatever you want to call it, like they have a ton of work to do. And they have a ton to prove. And it's just demoralizing covering this team when you see the potential, which I know Chargers probably hate that word too. It's just demoralizing, Jake. I don't know how else to say it. Yes, I did. It's unfortunate when these things happen, much like it was last week against Miami, because you say, okay, the defensive performance in that game was going to overshadow what the Chargers did well offensively. Overall, in this game, it's it's hard to even just like bring up the guys who played well. Even though they did, I would love to be sitting here talking about Kenneth Murray. I would love to be sitting here talking about Tuli Tula Pelotu. Sidebar, give me more of Tuli and Bosa playing right ne- next to each other for mm-hmm. future. Please do that. Rashawn Slater. Would love to be talking about that. Keenan Allen. Unfortunately, we can't. <laughs> Unfortunately it's, you can't because this is the shadow that the Chargers fan base currently lives in. Because it's just like, well, yeah, okay, that was great, but, but, Dan, you talk about quotes. It's funny you brought that up because I thought of a quote that Austin Eckler actually said last year, part, prior to the beginning of the season. Paper doesn't play on Sundays, and he's absolutely right. Does not matter what the hell your roster says, unless you go out and you get results on Sundays. It doesn't matter. Dan, Chris Harry said this on our show just months ago. The, the time for talking is over. They have to prove it. They have to prove it. One of my favorite quotes when you're talking about the aspect of talent, Kurt Russell, a miracle when he's talking to his players, when they're going back and forth, doing uh, back and forth um, uh, lines on the hockey rink. And he says, you're not talented enough to win on talent alone. And that's just the truth. Three phases of football, consistency, playing together as a unit and proving it on Sundays. When was the last time, maybe outside of the Rams game, that you could say that the Chargers actually had a definitive win where they played great in all three phases of the game? Now, obviously, the Chargers had wins last year. but It was more so to say, like, okay, the offense is going to bail you out one week. The defense is going to bail you out the next week. And sometimes that's going to happen. That's the nature of the NFL. I'm not saying that they're going to be able to dominate every single week moving forward. But complimentary football, Dan, that is a phrase that we have repeated time and time again on this show. Three phases of the game. Last year, it was giving up explosive plays on the ground. Now you're giving explosive plays up through the air. Where you were not even that weak last year. And this is the same group of guys, and essentially an addition in J.C. Jackson returning off, of, uh, off an injury, to where you should be better, especially in the versatility of the guys who can play man or zone coverage. And the Chargers are dead last through two games in those areas in either coverage that you want to say. So your strength now going into this season has essentially become a big weakness. And the thing I hated the most about that, Dan, is that as soon as Tennessee got rolling in this game, Mike Vrabel took the page right out of Miami's playbook and started going, 
short two-step drop, get the ball out. He had had enough of seeing Ryan Tannehill get sacked. And it turned into that type of a game where Tannehill was just working the middle of the field and the Chargers weren't able to stop it. And you allowed one of the most inept quarterbacks that in week one had, I think it was a 23 or 25 quarterback ranking to finish 20 to 24 for over 250 yards and 124 quarterback ranking. And this is the part that sucks, Jake, is I go back to like those two plays. We all know what two plays are talking about. You said over 250 yards. That was 130 by itself. If you take those two plays away, Ryan Tannehill had 120 yards on 18 attempts. It's a great day for this Chargers defense. But those two plays happened. They're pretty big. It overshadows all of it. And again, I will say this and I'll stand on it with my chest out. The Chargers offense is not absolved. For folks who want to flame the defense only and blame them only, you're simply a little narrow-minded in this game. And I mean that with respect. You have to look at the big picture. Jake, here's the last sequence for this Chargers team on defense and offense. So, let's go. Chargers defense forces a punt. This is, again, this is the end of the game. This is going from roughly the third quarter to the end. Chargers defense forces a punt. This is after they allow the touchdown to go down 17-14. From there, eight plays, 24 yards, punt by the Chargers defense. Then the Chargers offense goes down and scores. Up 21-17, fantastic. Chargers are up four at this point. From there, Chargers defense, three and out, three yards, punt. Chargers offense, three plays, eight yards, punt. Chargers defense, three plays, zero yards, punt. Chargers offense, six plays, 18 yards, punt. Then Chargers defense gives up the 82-yard drive with that bomb for 50 yards. They get a touchdown there. Chargers offense, down three. With the ball, two timeouts. They have everything in front of them. They get a field goal. They just get a field goal to tie it. Then overtime, three plays off by the offense. Punt. Defense gives up 37 yards in overtime. Field goal to win it. Game over. If you just blame the offense, the defense for that, I don't know what to tell you. Dan, there were there were moments there were moments of brilliance by Kellen Moore in this game offensively. That we talked about it pregame that this is where the Chargers should obviously be focusing. Keenan Allen even said it that the passing game was going to come alive from this show. And at certain parts of the game, especially given the fact that the Titans were out two of their starters in the secondary, at certain points of the game, they were taking advantage of that. Oh, that the screen game that they set up, that Chargers Keenan Allen touchdown, that fake throw or the pump fake that goes to Keenan Allen wide open in the end zone, like masterclass. It was it was great. I thought that the drive that they put together to well, technically it started in the third quarter, ended up ending in the fourth quarter. Stone Smart making a great grab, Gerald Everett just plowing through everybody. Oh. The Chargers were working the middle of the field and just carving the Titans up in that area. Identity creating doing offensive it, drive. They were doing it repeatedly. But then, then here's the weird part. In between those drives, for the next drive or two drives after that, it's like they got amnesia. It's like they actually forgot 
what they actually just did and how well it worked. And then it was a time to say, yeah, you know what? Let's go back and see if our run game works. Dan, I remember the sequence. I Forgive me. I can't remember what quarter it was. But the Chargers ran the ball on first down. It became second and seven. The Chargers decided against one of the best <laughs> defensive fronts with Arden Key, Jeffrey Simmons, to run that ball again. And then it became third and seven. And then, of course, the Chargers went incomplete and had to punt the ball away. There were moments like that where I just felt like the Chargers just decided to go against the strength of the Titans defense, which I just never understood. You had one good run out of that game of Joshua Kelly that looked good. And I obviously say you can't completely abandon the run. But to go for it in those type of circumstances where you're going to go run, run past the old school conventional Chargers offense against one of the better defensive fronts in the league when you've been carving this secondary up, it just flabbergasted me. I never understood it. Why, why break what, isn't fi- what, what doesn't need to be fixed in that circumstance? I just didn't get it. So, yeah, offensively, there were definitely, definitely missed opportunities. And Make people want some- and, and to absolve Justin Herbert as if he can do no wrong. I've tweeted it. I've put out screenshots. People, you've seen videos of it. Justin Herbert missed some plays and left meat on the bone out there in the fourth quarter overtime. And it was on him at some time. Not all of it. He could have been better. Period. This is again where the the media is going to spotlight this, Dan, because now the media looks at this as two weeks in a row, Justin Herbert was placed in an opportunity to put him put his team in a position to win. Now again, I'm I am not trying I'm definitely not bashing Justin Herbert here. We all know what Justin Herbert can do. If the Chargers didn't have Justin Herbert, they wouldn't even have been in the games that they have been in. So it, it, this is no point of shaming him or saying that things need good. to take place or that he's not good. Come on. We're, we're all smarter than that. But as any quarterback, you have bad days and you miss opportunities. And But those are the ones that the, the difference... Those are the differences that people look at when it comes to talking about the great performances or the, the great quarterbacks in this league. And not to say that Justin Herbert is not great because he is. He is. Let's not get that twisted. But those are the moments. Justin Herbert's had, what, 13 fourth quarter comebacks that he has Start. orchestrated during his, his Chargers career thus far? He can do it. Those were the moments that you just felt, especially in this game, Dan, where the Chargers were the last team to score to tie it up to send it to overtime. You win the coin toss. Everything so went hope, their way. You hope to say, okay, now the, de- the opposing defense is going to be tired. We're going to take this thing down, set us up in a position for hopefully a touchdown to win it, if not a field goal. <laughs> that three-play sequence was hot garbage. The last play of that sequence, Dan... There were so many people confused. I was surprised that a timeout was not called. It should have been. Why that didn't happen? Because anybody could see that the guys were moving around not knowing where they were supposed to be before that play was snapped. Guys literally didn't run routes. (laughs) They're standing there. Go back and look at Mike Williams. He's just chilling in the middle of the field. He reminded me of like Will Smith in that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where he's just looking around like, Unacceptable. Now, no, I, I, think, I think I think what's important though, Jake, is 
people want to flame Brandon Staley and they want to blame him. And at the end of the day, it's his team. And I get it. And all of this can kind of bubble up to Brandon Staley and he's not having the right, you know, mentality and isn't getting the guys coached up enough and da, 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 da. all that's true. Ask Justin Herbert how he felt he did in those last four drives. That's all I'm going to say. I know that this feels like the doom and gloom pod today, and in some circumstances, rightfully so, just to gain a little bit of perspective. Um, but it's more of just to get the temperature of, of what this team is right now and understand that if they are going to go on this run that is going to hopefully send them to the playoffs, you need to change some stuff quick, quick, because your next four weeks of who you go up against the Chargers could conceivably end that one and three with the opponents four, they have to go. Two. Like zero oh and four, worst case scenario. I mean, it's it's not an optimistic look when you have to go up against the likes of Justin Jefferson and the way that Jordan Addison is already playing in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. You have C.D. Lamb coming up. You have Devontae Adams coming up. And oh, by the way, your arch nemesis in Patrick Mahomes is just a couple of weeks away. The Chargers need to figure this out and fast, or they could be in very, very deep trouble. I, I will say this. Like, for as bad as things look, or as has looked these past two weeks, like, in a lot of ways, you know, I think they're close. They're a couple plays away from being 2-0, and realistically. And like that could give people some optimism. And there have been a lot of things that we've seen from both offense and defense that have improved. So there's there's still reason to be hopeful. And there's still, they got the guys, talent-wise, to turn this thing around. This is not the episode of, oh, season's over. Like that is not what we're saying. But what we are saying is, This is a reality check time for folks covering the team, for folks who are playing on the team, for fans watching the team. If we're going to assign blame, do it with open eyes. If you're going to criticize the team, do it with open eyes. And if you're going to root for the team, do that too. The game, the season's not over. They're literally one game behind in the AFC West, which... Again, like we know this is early. It's only two games. But one game becomes two. Two games becomes a trend line, and that trend line only continues. And it's going to go one way or the other. We'll see. We'll see. But Justin Jefferson is not going to be easy. And the thing is, for as crazy as his 0-2 start has been for the Chargers, Vikings are thinking the same damn thing. The Vikings are like the Spider-Man meme of like them both pointing at each other with the Chargers. Like they both do this stuff. It's just, it's unfortunate. And I think the, the temperature of this pod is probably the temperature inside that building. Like there shouldn't, there, as much as, you know, you hear Brandon Staley, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, there's the highs and lows of a season. You got to kind of stay even keel throughout. Like, yes, I, I agree. 
they're zero two, and the pressure is on, and it's more so now than it was last week. It's more so than than it was before. Like it's just put it this way: Brandon Staley, Derek Angeli, Kellen Moore. These guys are making millions, and they're living out their dreams along with a lot of these players. But that pressure is real. Maybe not in the moment, but the reality setting in at those times after the fact, that's real. So I don't know. Like, is there anything else we need? Like, we can go into specifics, but like, is it even worth it right now? Like, that doesn't matter. We could, maybe we'll go into it in the next episode, but I think this is more of just a reality check. Like you said, temperature gauging episode. And I said last week that I felt that their game against the Titans was a must win game. And I specifically said that because this is the time of the year where you need to stack as many wins as you can because the last seven games of your schedule is tough. It's going to be very tough. And now you have the Vikings, the Cowboys, two divisional games between the Raiders and the Chiefs coming up. I'd hate to fathom, and we'll obviously get into it more later on this week when we do our Vikings breakdown, but I would hate to fathom as hot as the fan base is right now, what it could possibly look like if we come back here next week and that record says 0-3. It would not look good. Like I said, I do agree with Brandon Staley in his post-game preference conference where he said, these are all fixable issues. You're running out of time. Yes, the clock is ticking. Well, on that note, Jake... (laughs) Gosh, uh, that'll do it for this one. Honestly, I think this is probably partially therapeutic, informative, probably not as hopeful as we probably would have liked. Uh, there's still optimism there. There's Downtrotting, still depressing. Gosh. <laughs> but uh, look, the show goes on. The game goes on. The season goes on. We'll see. We'll get to the week three stuff here later on in the week. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, Jake, they're in a lot of trouble here at Owen 2. Still can easily fix this, but they got to start sometime before it's too late. Uh, for Jake Hafner, Dan Wolkenstein, Chargers Unleashed, and LA Football Network, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Charge.